Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. Point is, you are alive when they start to eat you. Try to show a little respect. We are back. It is the only Three Lads podcast where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999 with you, the community. It's me, Uncle Greg, of course. We got Brett Vargo, the Rocktologist. It is me as well. Yes. Yes. We are all here. Thank God. Since we're squarely stopping in 1993 today, I think uh, the professor is appropriate. Professor. My grunge alter ego. Because that was kind of like, yeah. the, I, I think the height of grunge, right? You wouldn't know it from my list, but it was the height of grunge. It was, well, it was really the start and the kickoff of grunge. It wasn't the start, but it was definitely because, you know, Nevermind came out in 91. So by 91. 92, 93, it was really getting its wheels turning, I think, in my opinion. And that's when I t- started doing the radio thing was in may of 1993 and the that's right yeah and then it was like i started on a thursday and then friday i was doing the edge fest friday night we had white zombie was the big band and then they actually showed up on saturday because they wanted to see the bands there so you know rob zombie the whole band was super cool and then of course on that day we had you know uh stone temple pilots was the headliner that's a a big year for you bring it has to bring back a lot of good memories there it does but there's but there was also other things in 93 that i'll talk about on my list because of course we're taking a look at our top five albums of 1993 pretty hard year for me a lot of great music in 1993 there was a lot of great stuff that was being put out of all different kind of genres you had shoegaze you had uh brit pop you had grunge a lot of great rap albums snoop dogg came out that year so yep, doggy style. we were yeah. talking about diggable planets. We were talking about a tribe called quest. Um, mm-hmm. All really great music that I still listen to, to this day. It was totally like, I guess schizophrenic as far as the number one billboard albums for 1993. And I know what that one is. Well, it was dominated in the early part of the year. The bodyguard mm-hmm. soundtrack right. pretty much ruled everything, but you also had just to rattle these off. Unplugged by Eric Clapton, Songs of Faith and Devotion by Depeche Mode, Get a Grip by Aerosmith, Janet Jackson, Barbara Streisand's Back to Broadway's Europa by U2. I know you you love that one. It makes you want to pluck your eyes out or something. I think just uh, drink my barf. I don't know. Drink your barf? Sure. Yeah. Black Sunday by Cypress Hill, Sleepless in Seattle soundtrack, Billy Joel's River of Dreams, Garth Brooks in Pieces in Utero by Nirvana. Versus Pearl Jam, Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell 2, Doggy Style, and Music Box by Mariah Carey. That is a, a very eclectic list of number one albums oh, in the U.S. Absolutely. Well, don't forget Frank Black from the Pixies came out that year with his Frank Black album. He did. I, I would have seen Angeles. him about 
Would it have been about then opening for the Ramones? It was on his first solo tour. He came to the radio station. He was driving. He was doing his tour in a station wagon. So super big, you know, rock star there. But the one thing he asked us not to talk about was, I guess his daughter just had a baby and he had just become a grandfather. So he's like, hey, can you not bring that up? We're like, sure. He would have been a pretty young grandfather. He was, yeah. He was probably maybe mid-30s. He's like, yeah. what one of those guys? One of those poor bastards. Okay. Oh, yeah. And that's okay. It means that you had a kid real young and then your kid follows suit. Yep. So you like to bump uglies. I have no problem with that. But, you know, you want to be safe. I have selected six albums. I think I have picked your top five with maybe like a like a wild card thrown in there. Okay. Well, let's hear it. You want to do it now? Come on. No. Okay. I'm going to save it up. I'm, save I'm it to the very end. Anything. Okay. I'm not going to spoil anything. The, what what yeah. was Johnny Carson? The great what? He would tap the, the great. What was it? Kreskin? Yeah. Kranken? Kreskin sounds Crack off? Yeah. It was one of those. But yes, he would tap the envelope to his forehead. Then I guess that's what we're going to do. I am the great clock off. I will snap you like a twig and then drink some vodka. You know who died in 93? Uh, Frank Zappa died in 93. Yeah, he did. Uh, what else was big in 93? I'm trying to think. What was uh, Jurassic Park was big in 93. Yeah, I wasn't a big movie guy. Still not. Nah, I I couldn't get through Jurassic Park. Honestly, it bored the living daylights really? out of me. But most blockbusters do. Yeah, I like more of the dialogue and the more like train spotting stuff, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You know, like great gross stuff that makes your skin crawl, but like you can connect yep. and it's all dialogue. You know, I don't need green screen. And I usually say that, but I, you know, I, I did love, um, I can't remember names of anything, Brett, my brain. It's just melted. The bodyguard. That wasn't it. Um, but what I did the enjoy. Notebook. No, the one with Keanu Reeves. Uh, the a, Matrix. Matrix. See, that's the one where Bill I. Bill and Ted. Yeah, I know is the Matrix. I, I thought I wouldn't like the first one. Um, but I went to the movies kicking and screaming with my friends. I thought that was done really well. Cause anything with green screen, I kind of like, whatever I like yeah. reality. And so that's why I like dialogue and, um, like stuff that could really happen. I don't need fantasy. I got enough of that in my own head. <laughs> <laughs> movies. I can go one of two ways. You either have to be on one end of the spectrum, just total trash, like B movie. I mean, the kind of stuff they would show on USA up all night. Right. If anybody remembers that you know they would show the the cheesiest of cheesy 80s b movies usually with some sort of spring break theme and scantily clad women i loved all that on the other hand i do enjoy a good artsy type movie much like train spotting yeah i found that very artistically satisfying or napoleon dynamite which that was good too i like that i just love yeah. and i just love the backstory of that of some kid who made like a movie and then they said hey let's make the whole movie becomes a huge hit 2004, I remember working at a radio station doing the promotion for Napoleon Dynamite, thinking, what is this movie? And then loving it. My buddy Adam and I, and we would sometimes have a revolving group of people that would go along. But I think it was something like seven times in a row every week, Thursday night, we had a standing engagement to go to the theater, watch Napoleon Dynamite after work. He would bring a flask of Jack. And we'd get a big giant Dr. Pepper and we would just giggle our bums off. Wow. Look at you getting crazy. And still would. Still would still to this would. day. Maybe we should yeah. do that. Have a big group of the community go to see Napoleon Dynamite. That'd be amazing. I'll sneak in the booze. 
I don't want you to get caught. There is actually a tour right now. And I had tickets uh, that I got before the pandemic and then it was canceled. And then they were supposed to be a couple months ago. And now I think it's in October or something. So who knows if it'll ever actually happen. But it is a, uh, a showing of Napoleon Dynamite in a big auditorium concert hall thing on the big screen with the cast, with Napoleon, Uncle Rico and Pedro doing a Q&A afterwards. That would be cool. That would be really cool. So I hope it happens because I would love to be there. I, I can see you there. I got to let Sherlock out. Sherlock. Off with you. Off with you, Sherlock. Okay. I'm back. All right. You're back. So top five albums of 1993. Are you ready to get into this? I am ready. All right. Well, kicking off my list because I'll do it first this week. You went first okay. last week. Yes. But kicking off my list of the top five albums of 1993 is one that I really tried to dislike. And there's a reason. I was in the Navy, and uh, this artist was going to play a concert in downtown Sandog, San Diego. And at the last minute, we're pulling into park, and the attendants come up and says the concert's canceled. But of course, this artist was able to perform his back-to-back shows in L.A. the next two nights, but he couldn't do San Diego. So I was very sad, because when you're in the Navy, you look forward for you know to things, and if they don't happen, then what do you do? You drink and you end up arrested, fighting, doing something really bad. I can't remember if any of that happened for me that night, but I'm sure it wasn't good because we were already three sheets to the wind by the time we got to the Lenny Kravitz concert. His Mama Said tour that happened to me. So in 1993, when the album Are You Gonna Go My Way came out, no way was I going to like it until, of course, you heard that riff of the title track. then I was hooked. And then you got, you know, the ballad, Believe, Heaven Help. Uh, Is there any love in your heart? All those songs are great. I couldn't hate it. Lenny, of course, um, knew people who I think worked on the tour and they always said the best seat at a Lenny Kravitz concert is where, Brett, where do you think? I believe you said before his face. There you go. That is the best seat at a Lenny show. At least that's what some ladies have told me. And um, that's why he's my number five this week. The album, Are You Gonna Go My Way? All right. That is a monster riff. Oh, it's great. Great song. It's- Enjoy the album. Now, I'm just curious whether Ticketmaster actually was selling tickets to his face. Oh, no, no. Those are special reserve seats. Aha. Mm-hmm. Well, he left Lisa Bonet in 1991 during that Mama Said tour. I think he was with Vanessa Paradis for a while. I don't even know who that is, but I bet you she's hot. French singer. And yes. Yes. She's like the type of woman that like knocks the wind out of you when you look at her. She's a very nice looking French woman. A very handsome woman. Check out her album from 92 that Lenny, I think mostly or, or totally wrote and produced. Wow. She has a song called Be My Baby that's just a real earworm. Really? In fact, I think it made one of my lists in the past. I think it did. I remember you talking yeah. about this. Vanessa Paradis. I can't spell her name. Vanessa, I might Paradis. get the other part. I now. assume it's French for paradise. Yes. Sounds like it. All right. Well, you've already ruined my whole game here. Uh, maybe. Well, I, that's why I think um, like in 1993, I would have picked uh, five different albums. 
And that's one thing yeah. I found about making my list. So as I get older and I start accepting more things or like, you know, I change or I grow, I mature, I uh, evolve, whatever you want to call it. Then there's, there's other music that I'm like, God, I'm sorry. I missed that. And maybe some of yeah. those made my list. Maybe they didn't, but I'm sure you're going to get three out of the five. All right. Maybe I'll get three. I thought I was going to get a perfect clean sweep, but you ruined it. So just rest assured for the rest of the episode that, you ruin my night. Greg ruins everything. I hear that all the time. <laughs> well, this is no exception. All right. Well, picking a number five is always tougher for me than picking a number one. And I'll tell you why. Whenever we come up with a topic, you know, usually like the top three, I already have made up in my mind. You probably the top four this week. I had the top four where I could easily say, OK, all right, you know, this, this, this and this. Then number five, I'm like, oh, I got about 50 choices here and any of them I'd be happy with. Then I go through this whole process. I mean, just, just stepping inside, inside my mind for a little bit. It's very tormenting. And then I just end up going with something that's maybe a little out of the norm. This week, I settled on the loan album from the initial run, at least, of a band from Sydney, Australia called Even As We Speak. Released on one of my favorite labels of all time, Sarah Records, the album that I'm picking from 1993 is called Feral Pop Frenzy. So not to get too literal here, but let's break down the Oxford definition of the album title. First of all, feral, which means in a wild state, especially after escape from captivity or domestication. And this album is definitely feral. It veers all over the map from post Smith's jangle rock to synth pop, to trip hop, to spoken word poetry and soundscape interludes, to exotic world music, to banjo picking acoustic lullabies, to buoyant bouncy pop that quotes the Banana Splits theme song. And sometimes this all happens in the course of the same song. All right, next word, pop. Commercial popular music, in particular accessible, tuneful music of a kind popular since the 1950s and sometimes contrasted with rock, soul, and other forms of popular music. Okay, so it may not have been overly popular, although it was popular enough to land them recognition by Britain's most famous DJ, John Peel. But no matter where this album veers musically, it is always tuneful and very hooky. So that's my definition of pop. So check. It's a kind of album where, as each song plays, you're saying to yourself, oh, that's my favorite song on the album. And then the next one plays and you say, oh, that's my favorite song on the album. And you do it again and again and again. It's also that boy-girl dichotomy that I'm an absolute sucker for with Matthew Love and Mary Wire sharing vocal duties in the band. And then the last word of the album title, Frenzy a stater period of uncontrolled excitement or wild behavior. And for a period of 46 minutes, they whipped through 19 tracks, and I won't call them all songs necessarily, but 19 tracks in an absolute frenzy. So I would definitely say that this is truth in advertising. So if you want a feral pop frenzy look no further than my number five album by even as we speak 
And by the way, the band would go dormant after this album, sadly, until 2016. Uh, but then they would come back for some live gigs. And since then, they've released an EP and a full length album. Their long awaited second album in 2020. So they're back. Uh, but great album. Check it out if you have not. And I'm assuming many of you have not. No, homework already. Even as we speak. Thanks, Brett. You ruin everything. I do. I ruin everything, too. <laughs> no, yeah, that's we're quite a pair. We get along. No, it's yeah. exciting. I, now I want to hear that. I got to hear it. I maybe I've heard it, but I, if I have heard it, probably hasn't been since 1990 something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good, good stuff. Good All stuff. Right. All right. Well, at number four for me, I believe it's a masterpiece and I can guarantee it's not going to be on Brett's list that he thought that I would pick. Really? Yeah. This is another one of those curveballs. I think you're just not going to pick me to pick this album, but I think it still stands up after 29 years. It stings for solo album, 10 Sumner's Tales. All right. Oh, if I ever lose my faith in you, a stellar song. But wait, Fields of Gold, another stellar song. Then there's Shape of My Heart. Eric Clapton joins in the fun on It's Probably Me. You just can't go wrong with Sting, especially in this time period. I think if there was a peak or whatever with his solo stuff, this was it. All the songs on the album still just sound incredible. Forget the sun in his jealous sky as we walk in fields of gold. I urge you, give it a spin. Just start from the very top, go to the very bottom, and then do it again. And uh, you're going to love this uh, little trip back to 1994. It doesn't sound dated at all. It just kind of like, Feels like you're visiting an old friend. He deals the cards as a meditation. And those he plays never suspect. At least for me. So Sting, 10 Sumner's Tales, number four album of 1993. Okay. So you can take a trip back to 1994 or even oh. a year further back to 1993. Yes, that's what I meant. See? Basically. Gre I knew what you meant. Uncle Greg ruins everything, but yes. Uncle Greg ruins everything. But that album did come out in 80, uh, 93. So. And if I ever lose my faith in you, well, I kind of have because <laughs> you are far less predictable than I thought you would be. This I week. didn't think that would be on your list. I thought that one for sure. Dang it. Dang it. Curses. Well, if you had asked me what my favorite album was in 1993, around June of that year, I likely would have said that it was 14 songs, which was the first solo album by X Replacements frontman Paul Westerberg. Coming hot off the heels, but not containing Westerberg's two sizable radio hits from the single soundtrack, of course, Dyslexic Heart and Waiting for Somebody, his muse was still working overtime in 1993. Now, I said it was Westerberg's first solo album, right? And it definitely was in name, but all fans know that the Matt's last album, All Shook Down, was practically a Westerberg solo album that just happened to contain the other members of the replacements on some of the songs. But while 14 songs retain some of All Shook Down's workmanlike songcraft, there's a newfound sense of independence and maturity in the record, like Westerberg finally grew up and moved out of his childhood home, which in this case his childhood home was aka The Replacements, and he's now finding his own way in life. 
The result is a varied set of, you guessed it, 14 songs. It's right in the title. The jump from the rockin' opener knocking on mine to the grungy charge of world-class fad, which if you don't remember that song being played on alternative radio, it sure did sound brilliant slotted into the playlist of those days. Hopefully you played it great. You have the punk rock energy of down love, the wistful nostalgia of first glimmer, the Bob Seger-esque runaway wind, the honest love song things. Every one of these 14 songs showcases a different style of Paul's immense talent. I listened to this album almost daily. So at that time, that summer, late summer, I started at my first real gig in the mortgage business. Before that, I was working at San Diego Wild Animal Park. And I just remember making that drive every day to the Wild Animal Park and playing this album so just brings back really good memories and that summer i also got to see paul westerberg live for the first time he did a free gig at the oceanside pier so it was just a beautiful backdrop with the ocean and of course it was free which which helped And he ripped through a brilliant set of Matt songs, new solo songs, and then he even threw in a cover of The Only Ones, Another Girl, Another Planet, one of my favorite songs of all time for good measure. So great summer, fond memories of this album. So number four for me is the man, the legend, Paul Westerberg and 14 songs. I'm dying to know, what did you do at the Wild Animal Park? I was in the merchandise department so basically working the gift shops nice so yeah i wasn't like you know birthing calves or anything important like that i was you know shucking overpriced t-shirts and wares but i did work my way up to uh, a, a lead so i mean when you're 18 years old to go from 425 an hour to 10 dollars an hour oh. And getting to carry around a walkie-talkie and boss people around was pretty cool. I was going to say, well, you are a leader, so I could see that happening. Um, I'm a born leader. Yeah, you really are. And then, um, and that's not a joke. I mean that. But uh, you know, Thank like, you. like I think that you would probably need a college degree. You would think that you know to be a leader in the merchandising and to that's a big money maker for that you know wild park, wild animal park is the yeah, merchandising. It really was you know because everybody wants something to remember that going to that park for. But then again, yeah. you need somebody with like a college degree to masturbate, whatever, to like, you know, then they can get like the semen so that then you could breed these animals. It's so funny how that kind of works. You know, it's like you don't think that <laughs> I, you know? I, I can assure you that was not going on at the wild animal park. Really? I was I recently saw this video and I was like, what is that person? Because it was like a horse. You know, I think it was right around, you know, the horse racing, the Belmont and uh, yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. And. I was watching this and it was like, what are they doing? And they get this tube and it must feel good because the horse is squirming and they, you know, they get the semen out of the horse and the horse is all happy smoking a cigarette after you're thinking about, wait, you're a racer. You shouldn't be smoking, but he didn't care. <laughs> and then if you've ever seen them, like, like if a horse gets bunched up, they have like, they put on those gloves that goes all the way up to their shoulder. And you have, yeah, I think you have to be kind of like a veterinarian for that. But boy, uh -huh. I don't know if I ever want that job. Well, first of all, I think you may have actually been watching an episode of BoJack Horseman. And two, 
Um, this went downhill very quickly. Well, I'm just saying that's we are talking about the wild animal zoo. That's what goes on there because you have a breeding type uh, program. I never witnessed it. Oh, you should have. I, that's I. I never. I never witnessed. I it. would have befriended the freaks that are all in charge of that, and just so I could see it go down. I did work for a while um, across from the nursery where they were born, but I never saw any hanky panky going on. It's not hanky panky. It's scientific. Okay. You know how. You call it scientific. I call it hanky panky. That's why you're the moral, uh, the moral authority of this. And you podcast. ruin everything. Uncle Greg ruins everything. Stick around. We're taking a look at our top five albums of 1993. A lot of great music. And our list continues after this. Hi, everybody. This is Andy Strickland from the Chesterfields talking to you from the sunny Isle of Wight. You're listening to Only Three Lads, probably the greatest music podcast on the planet. O3L Spotlight. This week's Spotlight artist is The Orchids. The Orchids are a Scottish indie pop institution who formed in 1985 and released three albums on the legendary Sarah Records label from 1989 to 1994 and then regrouped in the mid-2000s to release an additional three albums and a 30-year career retrospective in 2017. They're back in 2022 with a brand new single called This Boy is a Mess on Skepwax, an amazing new indie label founded by fellow Sarah alumni Amelia Fletcher and Rob Percy from Heaven. Really excited about this one and its upcoming parent album, Dreaming Kind, due out in September. So here's the Orchids with This Boy is a Mess.
We are back. That's the orchids. Did I say that correctly? Orchids. Orchids. Yeah. Orchids. Orchids. That's where the orchids are like grown in the orchids. Right? In the orchids. Yes. Yes. And again, your mastery of the English language is, is impeccable. Yeah. Wow. If we haven't already established this, you ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> I do. But yet at the same time, see, here's just the, the whole, I guess, enigma that is Uncle Greg. You ruin everything and yet you make everything better. Uh, you make my life better. Well, thank you. You make my life complete. I'm kind of like that sharp edge on like your table that you sometimes you run into. Mm -hmm. And then you're kind of like, boom. And then it's kind of just like, if you're tired, it wakes you up maybe a little bit. Yeah. It's like I'm cut and I'm bleeding. And yet I, I know I'm going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to know. Good to know. We want to yeah. thank the community for uh, putting up with me, especially and Brett. But uh, don't forget, whenever you see one of our posts on Facebook, we, Brett's been a lot on Twitter. Yeah. I'm a real uh, TikTok, twit. TikTok, we're there. Not TikTok, uh, Instagram. But TikTok, they're going to have a, um, I guess, kind of like a rating system now so that the kids don't see horrible TikToks or inappropriate TikToks. I saw that oh. today. They just announced that earlier this week. Oh, I did not hear that. Yes. I'm not, I guess I'm not up on TikTok news. Yeah. But one day maybe we'll be on TikTok. Maybe we'll, I don't know, get some facial reconstructive surgery. Then we can make videos. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe we can up. take a video of one of the, uh, one of the illicit activities at the wild animal park. Dude, I would totally do that. Mm -hmm. Totally. But just don't forget, please. If you see one of our posts, please just share it. It's all we ask. We just really enjoy that. Uh, you're here with us and we want to build this community. And it really is. It's kind of like weird when we started this, it was like, Hey, we're just doing it for ourselves. We're just having fun. Uh, there might be some people out there who want to hear us nerd out on music. And I've learned so much from Brett and just doing this and, and, likewise. and you know, just from the community, uh, you know, I, I don't watch TV. I, I was at my friend's condo in Vegas this past weekend. I turned on the TV and he has like all kinds of cable stations nothing was on but i did find a k-pop station which i knew my son would love i had no idea what they were saying but you know they were jumping around dancing and so that was good enough for me and then i was telling my friend alex all about k-pop because he's got a niece who's totally into k-pop so i was telling him yeah see i'm a blink black pink so i was telling him all about them and then there's twice and there's this new one that i really like their music too it's got like dance stuff um but it's my son's going to kill me if I say this wrong, but it's a, I probably will. I can't say orchid. Maybe you'll do better with Korean. Maybe, but no, it's, well, they all, it's like aspect or something like that, but it's, hmm. I don't know. It just sounded cool. Anyways, there's nothing on TV. So I have to just listen to music all the time. And so I'm glad that I get to share maybe some of the knowledge that I pick up with you. And of course, whenever we see it on Facebook, we learn stuff from our community too. So I enjoy yep. it. And I have stumbled upon that very same k-pop tv station in a hotel one time and i watched it for a little while and i did find a song that i i liked and downloaded by gwsn i don't know if maybe it's just initials or maybe you pronounce it Gwisum. yeah who knows i don't know but the song is called bazooka and i love to terrorize my daughter with it because she hates it i find it insanely catchy oh my yes they're all catchy songs very good dance songs and there's this guy, his, he goes by uh, Benny, and he's the one who does all the pink, uh, black pink songs. And I yeah. really, I like the way he constructs the, you know, the songs. Mm -hmm. They're really good. Now, there's some real crap out there, too, because it's all, you know, like 
for teeny boppers. And the one thing they know is love. And so it's always like what I drive my son with K-pop crazy is when we're watching the videos, it's like, I have not ever heard this song, but let me tell you where they're going. Uh, this is about love or it's about being best friends. And I, I, I always nail it. He's always, how did you know? I was like, because I've been a teenager once. It's just the same stuff. It's just, you know, teeny bopper music that, and, and the one emotion every teenager has had is crushes and a broken heart. That's universal. That's stuff that's going to last forever. Forever. But my number three this week. Oh yeah. 1993 before K-pop. Yes. Well, there might've been K-pop, but. It just wasn't BTS called BTS wasn't even a glimmer in their daddy's eye. I was going to say they, they weren't even taking up any room in his testicles yet. Cause I think they're all, yes, 1993, 29 years ago. Well, I don't know. No, they're all under that age, but of course, grunge was huge in 93 and one album that was released, uh, and still continues to just give you a one, two punch. This album, I'm sure may be on your list because that one, two punch go and animal, the first two tracks on Versus from Pearl Jam. The follow-up to 10. You didn't pick this one? Nope. Nope. Wow. It's a much more raw, sexier sound than 10 from Pearl Jam. There's some sensitive Pearl Jam songs there, too, like Daughter and elderly woman behind the counter in a small town and try and do that on the radio when you're just trying to talk over the intro you know gosh that was like a long title for a song back in 93 of course it was the versus tour when pearl jam started their war with ticketmaster leading the band to play in Coachella, which then led to the Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival. So how about that? All because of verses. And that's why I picked it as number three. But I like the music. Wow. I should have known. I should have known. What if you don't get any of them? Wouldn't that be a trip? I'm sure you're going to get one. I'm going to get one. I'm going to get your number one. This is Eddie Vedder. I'm against Ticketmaster because they didn't sell me a ticket to Lenny Kravitz's face. No, what it was was the, um, I, what were they, they, it was, I guess, kind of like the handling fees. You know, like, oh. Oh, yeah. Like, like the, but oh, that does drive me nuts. No, well, sometimes, you know, you go to, let's say, a, a, a comedy show and you buy your ticket at the window. Why are they charging you five bucks? Because it's a handling fee from the lady behind the window to hand yeah. it to you through the window. And they're like, ugh. So why don't you just tell me it's, you know, 25 bucks instead of 20? Stupid. They should be charging a handling fee for Wild Animal Park. Yeah. Uh, uh, bringing it full circle. All right. Uh, good pick, even though I've I've never heard the album, but oh. I know the songs that were played. Well, Go, Animal, those are great songs. Actually, my, my stinking ex, that was like one of the 10 CDs she had. Oh, that's and why. I still never yeah, yeah. Oh, but, that's why you don't like it. I'm. I'm sorry. I brought that up. That's, oh, that's all right. I don't care. Oh, why? That's like a whole dimension ago. Whole different chapter. One that was closed many, many moons ago. Thanks for trudging up those memories, Greg. Wah wah wah. Did I mention you ruin everything? Uncle Greg ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we may have to change the name of this podcast. 
Uh, okay. All right. Well, my number three comes from one of my favorite Brit pop era bands, the Auteurs, and one of my favorite songwriters of the 90s and beyond, Luke Haynes. Their debut album, the one I'm picking, is New Wave, which was released on February 22nd, 1993 on Hut Records. Although Luke Haynes had been on the scene since he joined the British indie band The Servants in 1987, it was with the Auteurs that he started to make a name for himself. So if you're unfamiliar with the genius that is Luke Haynes, you're in for a treat. He's a prolific and always interesting writer who is recorded as Bader Meinhof, Black Box Recorder, has a whole heap of solo albums, a lot of which have really weird themes like, you know, a concept album about British wrestling. And in recent years, he cut an album with R.E.M.'s Peter Buck. Just a great talent. But going back to the album New Wave from 1993, the auteurs at the time were often lumped in with the same neo-glam scene as Suede, but Haynes was always too much of a curmudgeon to succumb to the hedonism of glam rock. Musically, they always had a broad palette that swung from chunky guitar chords to tinkling xylophones and pianos to the mournful sound of James Banbury's cello. Both as far as his sharp pen and vocal delivery are concerned, Haynes always reminded me a little bit of the Kinks' Ray Davis. But did I mention he's also a bit of a curmudgeon? His literate lyrics and astute character studies can relay the tale of showgirl brides, aspiring stars whose dreams were shot down, idiot brothers, home intruders, and parking valets are always cut with weird twists and turns and a wry cynicism that you can imagine are usually delivered with a sarcastic smirk. Sounds like Mr. Grumpy Pants needs a nap. How could I be? Oh, how could I be? Oh, how could I be wrong? But the album is never less than brilliant and contains some of the auteur's most enduring songs. Showgirl, Housebreaker, How Could I Be Wrong, Don't Trust the Stars, just so many great songs on this record. And although later singles would scrape the bottom of the charts, which this one didn't, but as an album, they never fared better than the number 22 placement on the UK album chart that New Wave had. So spend some time with Mr. Grumpy Pants and the auteur's Marvelous 1993 record, New Wave. Boy, a lot of homework from you this week. Yep, I'm giving you the homework. Yeah, it's not Brett Weird, but it's just that stuff that maybe you didn't hear on the radio so much. You'd have to hear it on college radio more than your alternative yes. radio in 1993. I doubt there was anything played on American alternative radio from this album. Uh, Should have been, but I don't think it was. Yeah, it's weird. When I was in Vegas talking to a bunch of my friends, like we were listening to a lot of this music and... It was like, God, there's so much different stuff and it's all great. And it's like, you know, again, there was more record labels now, especially, you know, like you got that payola, plugola. That only is for radio. When you see these bands on MTV or anything, they, they, they might have paid to get on there or they're giving away the farm. They're doing promotion for them so that they can sell more advertising. But that's why yeah. like when we were kids, you would have, you know, John Mellencamp giving away the pink house or. Def Leppard, you know, whatever, backstage or I remember Asia, they did a big thing like with them when they got the new singer. So they were huge bands like Duran Duran. They were doing some promotions with them. 
and it was for free for MTV. But of course, you know, they were playing their videos. So it all worked out in the end. Everyone was happy, sure. especially with streaming, too. If you're going on to Spotify and you're seeing like maybe, oh, the hot underground song. Someone might have paid to put that on that list. It may not be a real list right now. True. True. Sorry to ruin your little fantasies that it's everything just is done for the good. It's called the music yeah. business, and there's a lot of dirtbags. But in the 80s, many more labels, much more chances, and that's why you heard all different kinds of music. It's certainly not surprising coming from you. Yes, yeah, sorry. Because? Because you ruined everything. everything. All right, here's an, my number two song this week. Another one. Maybe, but I don't think it's on your list. Hey, because try me. Well, in 1993, I just looked right over this album, wasn't into it. Um, I just skipped over. But since then, I've really started to enjoy the album. Um, and at the time, it was the fastest selling debut album in the UK. Of course, it's Suede, their self titled debut album. Thank you. Oh, I love this album. I still, I just get drunk on it all the time. I, I don't know why. Uh, but Animal Nitrate, Downers, um, or The Drowners. Did I say that correct? No, not at all. The Drowners. The Drowners. Yep. I said it right the second time. Metal Mickey. That was the song in alternative music, at least in Phoenix, that we played. I never get that. It's a great song. But Animal Nitrate is like 10 times better, but we never got there. I think what people really freaked out about this album is because they had two lesbians kissing on the album cover, which looked like two dudes. Yeah, they were androgynous. Yeah, and right? so back in 93, it wasn't like it is now, kids, where people are like, whatever. You know, it was scandalous. Because even in the 90s, it was Ellen DeGeneres when she had like the, it wasn't even the first kiss, but she had that kiss and, you know, everything was just like, oh my God, we can't believe it. We're going to ruin the children and it's the normalization. And it's just like, now it's nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's made $28 billion. She could just she retire. Has. She's got one of the hottest women in the planet. Good for her. Good for her. I think she's funny. And I thought, you know, it didn't bother me. She gets another. I've kissed women that before. That talk show, though. Gosh, I could not stand to sit through it. Uh, well, it wasn't meant for you. Yeah, it was not. You're right. And the one thing that she did do, which I'm I don't, I'm kind of upset with her because now everybody dances. You know what I mean? Like every show during the daytime show, whatever it starts, everyone's dancing. Yeah. You're just like, just sit down. You know, let's, <laughs> let's go back to, uh, you know, like those early ones like Mike Douglas and Merv Griffin. You know, they sat down and they talked and they threw poo at each other. That's what I want. That's Everyone's right. happy and they're like, oh, let's scare you. Oh, let's talk. They to smoke them. stogies on camera. Amen. See, that's how Those we grew up the kids. days. Heck yeah. A little cancer. Ellen ruins everything. <laughs> I wonder, like, what band she would like in the O3L era. Like, if you had to say Ellen probably likes this band, I would bet Liz Fair, which came out with an, who came out with an album in 93. A lot of women empowerment. Yeah, it's an honorable mention for me. Yeah, great, yeah. great, great album. And PJ Harvey. Totally great album. Came out with yeah, another one. PJ Harvey. Um, yes. Sarah McLaughlin, which didn't make my list, but uh, I, oh. you know, I, I still listen to oh, a lot of her Greg, music. You ruined everything, Greg. Save the animals. <laughs> I told you, I think I was there the day she had a nervous breakdown. You did. And I fear, like, 
she was already like, I mean, this was this poor Canadian. It was like 115 the past few days here in Phoenix. So that's like 46 Celsius for our friends in Europe. And it's just hot. And I just remember her walking in. It, it was in June. She walks into the radio station and I can still remember what she was wearing. And she just looked, you know how like when you kind of look all red and burnt, but you never, but you weren't out in the sun, you're just that hot. Yeah. I just hope that I didn't have anything to do with that. Because you want to no. know why, Brett? Why? I ruin everything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Good point. You know, I hadn't thought of it that way until this very moment. Yeah. So I just hope I, I, I really didn't do anything. But I didn't that I know of. But you never no. know. It, Canucks were not made for the Phoenix Heat. Yeah, no. So anyways, I think we're still on my number two. But of course. We are. But of course, we uh, sometimes go off the rails. That was an example of that. But if you're looking for some punk, glam, sex, violence, attitude, all rolled up into one, Suede's debut album, my number two for 1993. Bravo. Bravo. Clapping for you on that one. And that was did you on, pick it on the list. I did pick that one. Good. And that's the reason why I didn't pick it on my list, even though I Love that album. I love it. I'm getting into the tears also a lot. Well, I mean, it was just great to hear Brett and Bernard back together. Yeah. Brett and Bernard. But then that's what kind of broke them up, though, because they got sick and tired of all the questions and the music press wanted to focus on, like, when are they going to start fighting again? You know? Yeah. You know, so then they were just kind of like, uh, and then everyone wanted them to play Suede songs. And they're like, that's not what we're doing right now. We're doing this. And so. And, you know, Suede has a new album coming out later in the year. And the first single is out. And it's a real corker. Really? It's a little different sound for them. It's a, it's a little punkier, I guess. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Because I don't know if you've heard their three post reunion albums. They're very good, but they're very like, I guess the best way to describe it in general would be like cinematic. Hmm. I mean, it's very sweeping and grandiose. My number two album of 1993 is the kaleidoscopic musical masterpiece of England's Boo Radley's called Giant Steps. So much like the Replacements 1984 album, Let It Be, it may have been a little gutsy to swipe an album title from an undisputed heavyweight classic, in this case, jazz legend John Coltrane's album of the same name, but Giant Steps is as apt a summation of the music contained within it as you're likely to get. Their first album, 1990's Ichabod and I, aped the sound of American indie rock, and 1992's Breakthrough Everything's Alright Forever presented them as effects pedal loving, feedback drenched shoegazers, but their 1993 LP undoubtedly took many giant steps forward. I spent a good many years in the 90s trying to turn people onto this album, and the best lazy comparison that I could ever come up with is that it's like the White Album for the Britpop era. There's a healthy dose still of psychedelic noise in the band's sound, but they also aren't afraid to peel away the layers and expose the raw nerves of pop songcraft, all the while drawing in blaring horns, orchestral elements, dub bass, and jazz ambition. Although it was firmly released like Square in the CD era where 64-minute albums were the norm rather than the exception, which kind of irked me because most of them felt like single albums padded with filler just to take advantage of the CD medium, but Giant Steps is so stuffed with interesting ideas that it feels like a classic double album. There's not a minute of wasted space here with every little piece serving its purpose in the context of the album overall. 
singer Sice has one of Rock's prettiest and most mellifluous voices, and lead guitarist Martin Carr is a guitar hero whose textures and nuances provide shine and shade for the entire album. They're pure pop tunes that descend into a maelstrom of guitar noise. Spacious dub makes way for the clarion call of triumphant horns. You just never know what sonic pleasures lie around the corner. Wishing I was skinny Wishing that the whole world knew my name Wishing I was through The album fared respectably hitting number 17 in the UK, and they soon would become household names in their home country, starting with a cover of The Laws, There She Goes, for the So I Married an Axe Murderer soundtrack later on in 1993, and then they followed it up with a number one album in 1995 with Wake Up, and they had a string of seven top 40 UK singles. But they arguably never bested giant steps as far as breadth and quality. So I guess I'm still trying to sell people on this album nearly 30 years later, and I can guarantee you, 30 years down the line, I'm still going to be trying to sell people on this album. I'm making it my number two this week. Giant Steps by the Boo Radleys. Boo Radleys. Wow. Boo Radleys. And you were 18. 18 when it was released. Now, we were talking earlier before we started doing the show. Yes. About going to your high school reunion because you had probably just uh, graduated, what, in 92? 92. Yep. Okay. And so then, of course. 30, 30 years coming up. Yeah. This weekend. And um, I'll tell you why you should go to your high school reunion. First of all, um, I know people get self-conscious, but no one's looking at you the same way you look at you. It's always fun to go and see the people who you thought would succeed and didn't, uh, the people who you thought weren't going to succeed. And in, I just love stories. So to hear people's stories, that's great. But the greatest thing about a high school reunion is the retrosexuals. All right, explain. I'm intrigued. Retrosexuals, you're going to see people who, you know, who were boyfriend and girlfriend or hooked up back in high school. And 30 years later, they both find themselves at a time that, well, some of them maybe are still married, that they're going to hook up again. And it's just awesome to see. And then you're mm. just thinking retrosexuals. So you go for the entertainment. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. And usually, you know, you know what happened with us at least at, at my last reunion was there was a guy who we all knew uh, and we basically was like Marley's. It was, you know, Dan Marley from the Suns. He's got a bar downtown Phoenix. And I can't remember what the hell, why, but it, it ended up there, but it was absolutely great. And it was just this big area. And they took all the money from all the tickets that were sold and they basically put it at the bar. So drinks were flowing until the money ran out. And let me just tell you, it lasted a long time and people were, you know, everyone made a home alive, but it was just great to see a lot of your old friends. So I always say that you should go now, like if you do like a mixer the night before, those are fun too. Yeah, that would be more like it for me. But really the next night's a big mixer too. Yeah, it is. But it's also a big mixer where you have to dress up and pay $90 a head. So I'm not really into that, but the people that I care about, if they're in town, I would absolutely love to see them before or after. But I'm going to skip the actual event because I would probably get there and I may not remember people. They likely wouldn't remember me because I'm fat and ugly. No, you're so sexy. I mean, I think Thank and you. what happens? I is, was fishing. Yes. But what you know, what happens is, is that you go there and you sign in and they have the picture from your yearbook. So then you slap that on. And some people look exactly the same and some people look way different. 
It's part of yeah. the entertainment. Well, thank you. I, I reeled you in on that one. Yeah. But I think retrosexual. But I am. But we're all okay. at some point, maybe retrosexual. At least I've been. I know that for sure. I'm not. No. Because you are the moral compass of this podcast. I am the angel to your devil. Mm -hmm. Yes. I just always I think, think you know clear. what? I've been there before. I'd like to visit again. I'm, I'm just weak. It's all right. You're only human. Of flesh and blood. A man. That's right. <laughs> if I could remember any more than that. I am just a man. Remember the high pitch and then I'm only human. Human league. For those of you who are going, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> top, five. <laughs> top five songs of, excuse me, top five albums of 1993. Our number ones coming up after this. What's up, party people? This is DC, the brain supreme of tag team. And you're listening to the Only Three Lads podcast. Whoop, there it is. Sprinkles! Attention! Calling the O3L community! We are so happy with our family of fellow fans of the golden age of alternative music. But we need your help to spread the word. If you like what we're doing here, we love it when you share our social posts, write reviews, and tell your friends. Or show your support for the show through one of our t-shirt designs from the Shop Now link at facebook.com slash only3lads. The more people we have discovering, discussing, and reminiscing about this great music, the better. From the bottom of our hearts, we love and appreciate all of you. Thank you, and now back to the show. We are back. It is the Only Three Lads podcast, of course. We nail it every week. The golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. It's me, Uncle Greg. We have the professor, because this was back in the professor days. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing a very good slacker this week, though. No, that's perfect. Yeah, dude. Yeah, brah. Brah. Yeah, brah. Yeah. We totally nailed it. Let me tell you this, though, kids. I'm kind of believing this. If you were alive in 1993, or if you know, you're just maybe going out now, if you're that guy who backs in your car, yeah, that person will cheat. Just like a girl who does coke, she'll cheat. That seems pretty random, bro. So, well, I'm just saying, if you're going to go back to uh, your high school reunion, you'll see dudes yeah. backing in their car because that's what the cool dudes do. I see that at the gym right. all the time. Like, I walk in, get half my workout done, and the dude's still trying to pull in his big old truck. And then, uh, just in general, back in 93, if girl did do coke, she probably would cheat. Backing out your cars for nerds and yuppies, bruh. All right, the professor. Yeah. I would tell you that you ruin everything, but I, I can't work up enough energy to do that. Well, you ready for my number one? Yes, I am. Number one album of 1993. Brett, what is it? It is In Utero. Thank you. Of course it is. Now, um, 1993 was a pretty dark year for me. Now, there's a lot of good things, but the dark year was because it was really a crossroads of my life because April 1st, 1993, my mother dies of cancer. Huh. Yeah. There was two songs that I connected with to get me through that time. Now, one was Goo Goo Dolls, We Are the Normal. And at the time, I didn't even make the connection that Johnny Resnick was writing a song about his mother dying or how she died. I don't know if it was cancer, but she did die. So 1993's Superstar Car Wash, honorable mention, love that album too. And then of course, In Utero, of course, Heart Shaped Box, I Wish I Could Eat Your Cancer. That's what connected with me and got me through some hard times. Hey, 
but there's also so much great music on this in utero album of course grunge was in full swing but then rape me comes out which is another good song dumb is a song that got me through a breakup it's like my first real adult relationship because i guess i was a whore in high school a man whore i didn't really um have like one girlfriend i had a bunch i guess there's not much to do in phoenix but drink and practice making babies especially back in 93 so we did a lot of desert parties so it was a lot of fun <laughs> so let me just say so i didn't really have like girlfriend girlfriends i did have one and uh, but you know it just i don't know but this was my first real like i fell in love with somebody and she just you know we were young she was young i was young it ended um and then dumb was the song that i remember just listening to as my heart was broken but then of course you have all apologies there So this is just a classic album. I miss the 90s and uh, Nirvana in utero. Number one from 1993 for me. Brilliant. And I shared Brilliant I choice. shared all my little heartbreaks of 1993. You, you did, but you always temper it with a little smuttiness too. Yeah, that's so yeah. all is good. Well, it's normal. All is good. Don't be a man hog lately. I wasn't so much. I, see, here was, I, I was a serial monogamist. I didn't like go and like sleep right. with different women every night. But I did have, you know, friends with benefits, but it was more like I, I would call myself a serial monogamist. When I got older, it got really serial. But let's just say in high school. <laughs> yeah, I'm a serial monogamist in that I can only commit myself to one serial at a time. Oh, really? What's what's your recent best cereal? Recently, I have been having granola if I eat cereal. I don't mm. eat a lot of cereal. I go through stages and right now I'm honey bunches of oats. Oh, honey bunches of oats. That's yeah, good. that's a decent one. Mm -hmm. I've never been like a, like a super sugary cereal yeah. guy. Well, I, but. I do like Captain Crunch, but then the top of my, you know, the roof of your mouth gets shredded. It does. Yeah. yeah but so I don't eat yeah, that it does much a number on you. Yeah. I'll tell you. Well, now I guess I can reveal what I thought your top five was going to be. Let's hear it. So I had in utero. Yep. I had suede. Yep. I had Goo Goo Doll Superstar Car Wash. Honorable mention. I had Radiohead Pablo Honey. Great one song, the whole album. And I did get to see the band in a bar that year. Yeah. But I, I couldn't see if this was songs. Definitely. It would be on mm -hmm. the list. Album. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Couldn't do it. I had James Laid. Another great album um, with like one huge song on it. So that was the top five I had for you. And then as the wild card, I had uh, Duran Duran's wedding album. All good. And all uh, intelligent picks by you that you know me well. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, James Late. I was just talking with somebody over social media about that album. She had put something and everyone was like, what's that? I'm like, no, that's one of that's a great album. Totally. Yeah, I just, it is a great. It album. just wasn't in my top five. You probably gathered from my number two choice the boo radley's giant steps that i'm pretty fond of that album yes so what you ask could take a spot above that wow i'm gonna say mariah carey yes uh r kelly bodyguard r kelly yeah he, r kelly i'll stay in the closet 12 played that's as old as his girlfriend was at the time ah, <laughs> ah oh, that's topical oh i know um tool undertow that album tool 
Yeah. Sepultura, yeah, I'm Chaos a huge, AD. I'm I a huge album. Tool fan. Yeah, I know. Huge Tool fan in that I've never listened to Tool <laughs> and never will. But if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you probably saw this one coming as clearly as the freight train depicted on its album cover. Released May 10th, 1993. My number one is, do you know it, Greg? I don't know. I, I, I'm going to get it wrong. It's okay. Wrong answers are okay. Well, okay. Well, Blur. Let's, That's it. It was Blur. You got it. All right. Blur, Modern Life is Rubbish. So this was their second album following their 1991 debut, Leisure, which I love. But I'll tell you this. If Leisure had been their only album and they broke up after that, they would have been nothing more than a footnote in the early 90s baggy music scene. So Modern Life completed the about face for the band that it started with their 1992 single pop scene. This is not only the album that made Blur, Blur, in other words, the British pop juggernaut, but also really the album that kickstarted the whole style of very, very ultra British mid 90s Brit pop that I love and was obsessed with in the, uh, who am I kidding? I'm obsessed with it to this day. Fueled by a contempt for American grunge, yes, I definitely can relate to that, and fearing that classic British songcraft of bands like The Kinks, The Small Faces, The Jam, and XTC was facing extinction, Damon, Graham, Alex, and Dave set out to create an album celebrating the simple pleasures and pains of British life. And speaking of XTC, the original plan for the album was to record with none other than Andy Partridge, which sounds like probably the most Britpop thing you can do, but those sessions were soon aborted to be resumed by Morrissey producer Stephen Street, who they had previously worked with, but he actually, with this album, ended up being the perfect pairing for the band for years to come. Modern Life is Rubbish made Damon Albarn a working-class hero, crafting an unforgettable string of witty, smart, and satirical classic British pop songs on par with the heroes that he set out to remind the record-buying public of. For Tomorrow, Chemical World, Blue Jeans, Star Shaped, Sunday Sunday, Advert, there was a seemingly endless well of top tunes and that's even with some of the best songs from the sessions being set aside as single B-sides. Remember those days when you had all these countless two-part singles to look forward to new tracks. Musically, the album is brilliant on so many levels, which helps it to stand up to countless repeat listens. So one time, pay attention to the lyrics. Another, revel in Alex James' swooping bass lines. And I urge you, please listen to this album homing in on Graham Coxon's guitar. This is one of the great guitar albums of the 90s. Graham is a naturally unconventional and inventive player, eschewing the normal rulebook of guitarists, so he's able to coax sounds out of his instrument. They're absolutely out of this blooming world. Yeah, everybody knows that Blur is on the short list of my favorite bands ever, and any of the four albums that followed this one, Park Life, The Great Escape, 
self-title album or 13 would all be on my list or near the top of any list that I make. While I'm inclined to agree that Modern Life is indeed rubbish, this album is about as far away from rubbish as it gets. You can disagree if you want, but fair warning that Mr. Grumpy Pants is gonna get angry. That's my number one. Blur, Modern Life is rubbish. Woohoo! When you heard song two, then in 97, did it make your skin crawl or were you like, I really like that? No, I loved it. Wow, look at you. He got you in the grunge. I was, I know the first person in San Diego to have a copy of the Blur self-titled album because I got it the day after its release when it came back with the record buyer at Off the Record and call and reserve it and all that. So I drove down, I listened to it on the way back. I gave the first American review of the album on AOL. So that tells you how long ago it was. Wow. And I absolutely adored that album and yeah i was different i mean i you know i liken song two to like a pixie song it was definitely a departure for blur and certainly not representative of their sound but a fantastic album all the same yeah well you know damon always changes sound i mean i'm a huge gorillas fan yeah and they're actually going to be on tour coming to phoenix september 26th they are, and i think yeah. i'm going to be there because if uh everything works out good I even think it's a Monday night, but I don't care. Cool. Um, because I really want to see them perform. And I just, because, yes. And throughout the Gorillas catalog, you know, it's, it starts, it's just all over the place. And um, yeah. I really, I really enjoy what, um, you know, like I can't say early Brit Pop, of course, Oasis was big, little bit of suede. Paul probably never mm-hmm. heard on the radio here. Um, blur, of bit. course. Yeah, a little bit, but uh, Blur, then we had. Uh, there's no other way. I don't know. You didn't really hear as much as we should have. Nope. So girls and boys a little bit. Yeah. Park life like this album in 93, I think kind of skipped a little bit. Yes. Of, it, this yeah. one sunk without a trace. You know, one of the fascinating stories about this album is they really wanted to break blur in a big way in the U S their um, American label SBK. So what they pitched to the band was that they re-record the entire album with Butch Vig, Mm -hmm. which they vehemently opposed. The concessions that they made for the American album was they added a remixed version of Pop Scene, which was the 1992 single that was not on the British version of the album. And then they did an American mix of Chemical World, where they kind of ramped up the guitars to make them sound grungier and therefore fit in better with the American uh, public. And of course they went nowhere. I think the biggest thing that happened for the album was the chemical world video played on Beavis and Butthead. And yeah. And of course, Butch Vig, if you make who, who's that name? He's the drummer for uh, garbage. And of course he was the producer of Nirvana's nevermind Mm -hmm. album. Big black. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why he was so huge. All right, let's go down our top five albums of 1993. For me at number five, Lenny Kravitz with Are You Gonna Go My Way? Number four, Sting with Ten Sumner's Tales. Pearl Jam versus number three. At number two, Suede, their self-titled 1993 jam. And at number one for me, Nirvana in Utro. All right. And I had number five, Even As We Speak, Feral Pop Frenzy. Number four, Paul Westerberg, 14 songs. Number three, The Auteurs, New Wave. Number two, the Boo Radleys, Giant Steps. And number one, Blur, Modern Life is Rubbish. Blur, and I feel really accomplished that I guessed that. I was going in so many directions, but I said, mm, You did. You blur. Did. 
Ding, 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 ding. Any honorable mentions to bring up? Oh, God. Well, of course, uh, Smashing Pumpkins would be one. Here's one, because I got to meet her in 93, Cheryl Crow, Tuesday Night Music Club. Okay. Um, I know that I wouldn't pick this, but a lot of people really love this album, Counting Crows, August, and everything after. Mr. Jones, mm. a great song, but a lot of people, yeah. I'm, it just wasn't for me. Um, but, I mean, I still played it a lot, and there's a lot of great songs off that. Pet Shop Boys, very I remember getting that CD. It looked like a non-skid type looking Yeah, that's thing. one. The, the orange with like the little, yeah, yeah little bumps there. The dots. Um, yeah, the bumps. Not U2 and Zuropa. <laughs> um, didn't put that on there. Oh, uh, of course, and uh, Depeche Mode. Okay. Yeah. Songs so, of Faith and Devotion. Yeah, those. So I guess those. All good picks. Uh, some of my honorable mentions, Jellyfish Spilt Milk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Paul Weller, Wildwood, Adorable Against Perfection, one of the kind of lost Britpop albums of the day. Divine Comedy, Liberation, The Breeders' Last Splash, I'm Barnaby's last Augustus last. Loop. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, BMX Bandits, Life Goes On, Slow Dive Suvlaki, if I could say that. You can. We talked about Liz Fair, Exile, and Guyville. Secret Shine, one, another great uh sarah band they're kind of in the shoegaze realm their album untouched uh tiger trap self-titled and mazzy star so tonight that i may see and i want to add one more dinosaur jr dinosaur jr was uh where you been yep yeah that's another good one i've been listening to that quite a bit just uh i I think at the time i might have missed it because i thought it wasn't enough a lot of people think the vocals are lazy but if you really listen to them just just more emotion behind it to me if you've ever seen Jay Maskus play guitar, you know that he's anything but lazy. Yeah. No, he's a great guitarist Dang. on that album for sure. Oh, he sure is. He sure is. All right, let's hit the randomizer. Find out what we're doing next week. All right. Stop me and don't ruin this. Stop. Stop. Ticketmaster. All right. Uh, how about the top five? Party starters. Top five party starters. There was a a lot of uncomfortable silence right there. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think of top five party starters. Party starters. So if you were DJing a party and you wanted to get the party pumping. All right. And bumping. Pumping and bumping. Both of them. All at the same time. Get people on the floor. Get people having a good time. In the classic alternative realm, what are you playing? Okay, so it's kind of like alternative night. The first one, I yes. think that to get people out on the floor, because I know how to build it and keep it going. So I would start with Sex Dwarf. Soft That's cell. a good one. Because that will get people That's like everyone one. knows it and it's like happy. It's fun. Yeah. Get you out there. Yeah. And you know what? If you are at an alternative night or a DJ, you know what always works? Madonna. You could play a Madonna song, get away with that. Actually, I have in my past DJing days when I would do parties uh, of a Favorite one for me was everybody yeah. or holiday. Holiday either works, way. Yeah. Either way. That was that was really good. I would do this thing where I would play Everybody by Madonna, segued into uh the greatest hit by Annie, which samples the Madonna song. Oh wow. And I'd match up the tempo so that it all sounded very seamless. And it was it was it was really cool. Or Jay-Z with Hard Knock Life, you could do that too with that same thing, a little right there. Yeah, you could. Now look at that. You could. Yeah. All right. Definitely. Wiki wiki. Look at us being DJs. Wiki wiki. Oh, we're total DJs. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm the rapper. He's the DJ. All right. I'm DJ Greggy P. Greggy Greg. Greggy P. DJ Greggy P. Ooh. How's that? 
All right. And I'm uh DJ. Oh, I, I forgot. <laughs> I had a, I had a rap name. I had uh right. I was B VAR. B VAR. Look at that. DJ B VAR. All right. And my party starter is Whitney Houston. I will always love you. Oh God. We got to get out of here. Is there anything else you got to say before we leave? Well, I think there's only one clear thing to say, Greg. I ruin everything. You ruin everything. Thank you. But all of you out there, conversely, make our lives wonderful sunshine and lollipops. Really, I mean, this month alone, being July 2022, is a phenomenal month for the show. We have all of you to thank. Obviously not Greg, but all of you. Yes, everyone but me, because Uncle Greg ruins <laughs> everything. <laughs> and on, on that note, we will wave hello and say goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.